you're always so focused about what everybody else thinks. And I stopped for a second and realized that your problem, Alyssa, is that you keep thinking that to be Miss New Jersey, you have to devote 365 days, 24 hours a day to that solely, and that will win you the competition. And I would just, I would shut, I would get to a point in the year that I would just shut everything else out. And it was when I realized, figure out who you are, allow yourself the ability and the freedom to focus on the things that make you, you like developing you makes you a candidate for the job. And I, I had to turn those gears. And that was what really, really changed it for me. everybody welcome back to another episode of chapter 20 something do we have such a fun episode for you today our guest is Alyssa sullivan she is a reporter and multimedia journalist for phl 17 and she is a former miss new jersey she won the title in 2021 and competed in miss america that year this girl is the definition of persistence she knows what she wants and she goes and she gets it and there's so much to learn from her and I think this is a really inspiring fun conversation so if you want to connect with Alyssa feel free to follow her on Instagram at Alyssa Sullivan underscore TV you can also of course follow the podcast at chapter 20 something pod and feel free to share this with someone you think might enjoy this episode rate review subscribe do all that fun stuff and of course you could follow me official kylie mcdonald thank you guys so much for tuning in i'll be back in two weeks with a solo episode with a lot to discuss big things coming up all right much love to you all and have a great day bye really it's been like I don't know six years maybe that's what I'm estimating close too yeah I would say uh like between 20 2014 2015 yeah right oh my god insane and you have accomplished so much since then but when I first met you you were studying musical theater at Ryder was that your freshman year of college Yes. Yeah. That was my freshman year. Okay. So you were probably gung ho. Like we all were like, get on Broadway, do the thing. And then, and then I think it was the next year you ended up transferring and switching into journalism. Is that correct? That is correct. And it's funny. It's nice to talk with people who understand that gung ho attitude that we yeah. have when we want to be on Broadway. I think people call them crazy. Some think I sound crazy when I tell my story. Um, so it's nice to talk to someone who gets it. But yeah, I mean, that was um, such a big, big year and such an exciting thing to be at Ryder. And I think transferring was a really formative time for me. Um, just 
as a young adult and just as a student, you know, as you understand, you know, when you grow up and you want to be on Broadway and everyone's always telling you that, you know, you should have a secondary career, you should have a backup plan, you know, all you want to do is go gung ho. So when I decided not that I didn't love it, just that I felt like it wasn't the career I was supposed to do, that was really earth shattering for me. And as someone who always knew exactly what I wanted to do, you know, you're the leads in the musicals and the leads in the plays and it's like your bubbles burst. So for me that I felt like I had failed at that time, um, you know, and there's still that um, time I feel to myself like, wow, you know, I, I got into a great program at Ryder, which is so wonderful to be a part of. And that was a really hard time for me to accept that that wasn't what I was meant to do. You know, of course, I, I feel better at times when I see everybody's gone on different paths. You know what I mean? There are a lot of people in my class who didn't end up uh, graduating doing that degree, but it was it was a big moment for me um, in, in my life and definitely probably one of the hardest before I really then got to where I was, quote unquote, supposed to go. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that is a lesson that I've had to learn too. And I, no matter what, whatever your childhood dream is, and when you actually go to pursue it, and then it changes and you learn the reality of the world, or you're like, well, maybe I actually want to do something else. That's a really scary thing because you're whole identity, your whole entire life is based on this idea that you want to do this one thing as a job and have that be what defines you. But then you can realize there's so many other things, first of all, outside of a career that can and should define you. And secondly, you're allowed to do many things and excel at them and just, you know, thrive, which is what you've done. And, you know, it's really interesting to me because you have pursued many different avenues, I think, throughout your young life. And um, you've succeeded in so many. Were there any inspirations to you growing up who did take many different paths and not just focus on one thing in particular and succeed in them? For sure. I mean, I think off the bat, you always think of your family. I was definitely raised by a strong group of women, you know, my mom, my grandmother, um, even my aunt, just surrounded by women who are very, you know, can do, um, always, you know, working, always reaching for their goals. And my mom always instilled that in me really young. Sounds cliche and hokey as good moms do. They tell us to reach for the stars, but my mom really always encouraged that and seeing her always work so hard and wanting to help others and being in the community. That was a big thing I think that started whatever career path I ended up on. Um, but definitely as I got older, I would say, funny enough, my drama teachers and my my musical directors, uh, definitely my middle school musical director, Kay, and um, Debbie Jenkins Delfonso, who was my high school director, who really helped bring me over the finish line into, okay, you know, I've come here to high school and I really love singing, but let's make it a reality and can I do that? And as you know, having people believe in you like that and, and seeing them work so hard and just them willing to give you their time and, you know, instilling that in you was such a big thing. And they were were both oddly enough um, involved in the pageant world. So all those worlds kind of collided and, um, you know, performing and being in musical theater, you know, even though that wasn't what I ended up doing for my career, it serves me so well in so much of what I do. And so many times people are like, oh, I, you know, I could have pegged you for a musical theater major, or I just see that it really is helping all my worlds to, to come together. And so I, I think of it often and just how much that uh, time in my life shaped me. And of course, those women in my life shaped me as well. Yeah, absolutely. And no matter what, it's still 
an outlet. I know for me, I'm sure for you too, you know, it's, it's the best form of therapy, singing, dancing, whatever, like you always have it no matter what. And it doesn't have to be professional. Just having that love is so key. I think totally. Yeah. So getting into the pageant world, like you just mentioned, you started out pretty young in competing in pageants in New Jersey. Um, when did you start exactly? So I actually started when I was around 14 or 15. So when I started, when I look back on it now, people say I was young, but if you put yourself in my position when I started, I felt old compared to when the other girls had started. Um, I think when people hear pageant, they think, you know, toddlers and tiaras, uh, honey boo boo running around like crazy. But those stereotypes obviously don't live up, um, especially in the, in the Miss America organization. And I just started as a teen. You know, my middle school um, play director said, "Why don't you do this?" It was called a pageant at the time, now a competition. And and I said, "You know, I think you have the wrong girl." And I went and I sang just because I loved to sing, and I was always that kid who would just sing for anybody who would listen. And I was first runner up at that teen competition. And you know, as um, many moments in my story kind of go, um, I spent a, a year having to really be persistent and take a lot of rejection. Um, I, that might have helped me with the musical theater degree as well, being good with rejection. Um, but I then eventually was able to secure a, a local title as a teen and, and go on to win Miss New Jersey's Outstanding Teen and and then so on to Miss New Jersey. So it was a it was a long road, but so rewarding and just such a huge chunk of my life. I mean, I spent a decade uh, in the Miss America organization. Yeah, that's really amazing. And I don't know too much about that world, but you know, from the outside, it looks like there's this real community of women who you know, this is their dream that they're searching after from the beginning. Like they're going after this from when they're a teen. And then every single year they're doing it with the hopes of being Miss New Jersey or Miss America. And I'm sure, is it a similar group of women each year that you've competed with? Yes. So in, you know, it's funny, things changed because when I first started competing right around my first year at Ryder was my first year at Miss New Jersey. Um, So obviously the girls then I was kind of a baby in the group. And now then towards the end, I was one of the veterans, as you would say. So but a lot of the core group does stay the same throughout those years. You know, for there were some girls who had competed since maybe my second or third year. Then, you know, there were girls who were newer. Um, But it is it's it's a it's a lifelong thing. And I competed for Miss New Jersey six times. And when I tell people that they're like, oh my God, like why why didn't you quit? Or like, why do you keep going? And you know, I, I know for a fact with absolute certainty that I wouldn't have been the same Miss New Jersey year one, year two, three, four, you know, if if I had won those years rather than when I won when I did. And it was really, it was all just meant to be. And I mean, the women, they make it all, which is why it's always so funny to laugh at, you know, the stereotypes that, um, you know, the women are at each other's throats. I mean, half of the women that I've competed with are bridesmaids in my wedding. So that's yeah. just, you know, a, a tribute to how close we are and how it really just goes beyond that. And you know, I think too, you know, it gives me chills thinking about it. Um, there's a photo of when I won Miss New Jersey and all of the girls were standing behind me and their faces and they're cheering. And it, you know, it makes me tear up thinking about it, just that, you know, the selflessness in that moment and the way that they stood there and cheered me on and my, you know, my first runner up turning to me and saying, you know, I, I can't wait to be your first runner up. Like there was just so much selflessness and just love and support that even I think I would find hard to give just because it's so, it's so pure. And, and that's what this is about. So that's what um, kept me going was just all the other benefits that you get, you know, so few girls are going to be Miss New Jersey. But I mean, your life is just changed forever because you were a part of this. Totally. And you think of, you know, your high school and college years and 
everybody has a group, you know, whether you're involved in different sports or dance or activities, many people don't think of pageants as a group that people are finding their friendships and their bonds and their support systems. Um, but that's really amazing that you found yeah, that. Thank yeah, you. of course. And then competing six times and going after one title six times, was it six years in a row? I would assume. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So you were obviously persistent, obviously very talented and improving in each year. I'm sure, you know, after a couple of years, like how did you handle those rejections? And at the same time, what did the idea of Miss New Jersey or becoming Miss New Jersey mean to you as you continued on in each competition? I think that the rejection was definitely hard. I, I think that when I first started, say the year that I went to Ryder, right? I was, and that was such a, again, a formative few years for me because my head was in a million different places, right? I, I wanted to be at school and I felt like every time I left to go do, you know, pageant things, I was letting myself down in my program and vice versa. And there were just so many things going on. And I kept saying, I want to be Miss New Jersey, but did I really know why? I, I really didn't, you know, I had been Miss New Jersey's outstanding teen, which was a huge accomplishment for me. Um, you know, being I had gone in on my last year of eligibility and it was like, let's try it. And that was a blessing. But then you go from being up here back to the little fish in a big pond in this whole new element. So I think that as the years went on, I had really tough years. Um, you know, and as I talked about that at my Miss New Jersey send off, you know, there were years that I just doubted, you know, why am I doing this? You know, can I get up and do it again? You know, and then those were the moments that I looked at myself in the mirror and was like, you have a purpose, you know, there's, there's reason for this. You know, there were years um, that I remembered, you know, gaining a bunch of weight and just feeling like I was, I was losing myself, you know, and that came short, short after, you know, finding what my new career was going to be. And it was just, I was so down on myself and I just, I felt like if I bag this area of my life that makes me me, then then who am I? So mm -hmm. it was really about believing in myself um, when the odds were against me, I guess you would say. You know, my first year I made the top 10 at Miss New Jersey, second year the same. Um, you know, I'd won a talent award. I, I'd gone to Miss America's Outstanding Teen and was in the top eight. So that third year at Miss New Jersey, when I didn't make the top 10, I'd say that was pretty earth shattering for me in the sense that it was like everything was coming down and as the years you know went on and and i built myself back up and really pulled myself up by the bootstraps i i found that after everything kind of fell down for me as i guess you would say in terms of my my world of what am i going to do i kept thinking i was trying to rebuild myself but really i was discovering who who i really was you know i i i knew myself as this teenager Alyssa, right but who was Alyssa as an adult and so i had to discover her and she's who miss new jersey was you know young Alyssa, you know had the pieces but not the ability to really put it into practice and at the end of the day whether i won miss new jersey on year six you know that june in 2021 whether it happened or not i just was I was happy with myself. I was proud of myself. And that was not something that I could say many years. Um, and so for me, I really was going to leave it all knowing that I did everything that I could. Um, and I think that's what that's what this is about. So it, it was not easy. Um, and I try to tell that story to people just so that they understand, you know, the persistence um, that, that's involved with it. And, you know, it's such a life lesson that you can clearly take anywhere. And it's, it's beautiful, because of course, it's, it's hard to go through it. It's hard. I'm sure when it's a part of your identity too, and people probably 
know you, not the people closest in your life, but from the outside know you as like the pageant girl and the girl who's like trying for Miss New Jersey. And it's like, oh, well, another year, you know, like you'll get them next time. And that's tough after a while because you're like, I want to do this. And, you know, it becomes a part of who you are, but then, you know, you're continuing and you're pushing on and it's building up that sense of self, like you said. Yeah. And I think, and I think just to build off that, I, one of my greatest attributes and um, biggest downfalls is that people pleasing uh, mentality, Same. right? And it's, it's a good thing that my, you know, my parents instilled in me, you know, my mom's a teacher, um, but then it was really hindering me as, you know, I got into young adulthood and, and that's really how it was. Like, I always felt like I was letting people down, you know, even like, as I talked about in those first few years of school, felt like I was letting everyone down when I went to Miss New Jersey and wasn't succeeding how I did as a teen. I was like, wow, everybody's looking at me like, she, you know, she went to a national competition and was in the top eight and what's she doing now? Or, you know, when I wasn't looking like myself and I had gained weight or whatever it was, you know, being first runner up, like it was like, you're always so focused about what everybody else thinks. And I stopped for a second and realized that your problem, Alyssa, is that you keep thinking that to be Miss New Jersey, you have to devote 365 days, 24 hours a day to that solely, and that will win you the competition. And I would just, I would shut, I would get to a point in the year that I would just shut everything else out. And it was when I realized, you know, figure out who you are because this program is leading you to it, but then allow yourself the ability and the freedom to focus on the things that make you, you like developing you makes you a candidate for the job. And I I had to turn those gears and that was what really, really changed it for me. Absolutely. And that's important no matter what you do and any career really, because you can become so focused on succeeding in that one thing. And yeah, it's great to succeed. It's great to excel in the thing you want to do, but you have to develop yourself outside of that in order to stay healthy, stay grounded, and also just know who you are, you know, because you can never solely devote yourself to one thing. That's just not life and it's not sustainable. So that's amazing that you really learned that early on, especially in a public career that you continue to be in, you know, that's an important lesson to have. Um, so then continuing on to June of 2021, like you said, you actually win Miss New Jersey and then start to get ready for Miss America, which is incredible and something that Mm -hmm. every little girl wants to be at some point. So what was that realization that you were actually going to Miss America? Like, Wow. It's, um, it was an out of body experience. I think every, um, news outlet or interview that I did, I told them the same thing. It was an out of body experience, um, bits and pieces of it. I remember like, you know, recounting what was happening with the girls and then other parts. It's just, it's chilling to think about. It was such a, such a huge moment. Um, and I had really been so calm throughout that entire week. That was something I had focused on, you know, don't look at the girl to your left, to your right, just be present and just have fun. And when it happened, I just, I just felt like I was floating in the air. I didn't know what was happening. And that realization that not just that I was going to get to go to Miss America, but that I got to do this job because for me, that was such a big deal to me. Um, I think a lot of people think, you know, it's just about going to Miss America and that's a lifelong dream. You know, believe me, I, I was one of the little girls that sat on the boardwalk watching the show us your shoes parade when it was Atlantic city you know, in Atlantic City when I was, you know, a girl. But for me, just the opportunity to get to serve our state, you know, I'd watched so many wonderful women do that for years. I was just, I was thrilled. And I just kept thinking to myself, you know, God's timing was 
perfect for it all. And this was when it was really meant to happen for me. And I was just, I was proud of myself. I was grateful and I was just excited. And, you know, when I looked back at all of the women who were so kind and excited for me, that made me feel good because to me, that's a measure of, of your mark in the organization. As I went on to Miss America, I think, you know, even as you learn, you, you still have moments where, you know, you doubt yourself or you're hard on yourself and, you know, going to Miss America again, and then you have all the success and then you go there and everybody has these expectations for how you're going to do. And then you don't get there. You know, that's another moment where you, you know, I don't know that 18 or 19 year old Alyssa would have been able to handle that. Um, And I think um, even for, you know, 26 year old Alyssa, that was, that was hard, but it was just, it was rewarding. And I just kept thinking about all of the women who would have given a limb to probably go to Miss America, who never got that opportunity. And I felt so grateful for the opportunity and, you know, to have made the mark that I did there, you know, with the social impact competition. And it just was to compete at the hundredth anniversary of Miss America. I mean, it's something I'll never forget. And and I was just grateful to, to have that small part in history. Oh my gosh, you absolutely should be. It's an incredible accomplishment. And yeah, like we stated before, you know, of course, when you're going after something gung ho, you're going to be hard on yourself. You're going to realize, oh, I could have done this or done that. But to take a step back and realize, wow, like I just competed at Miss America. Like, yeah. yes, like shout that from the rooftops. Like that is absolutely <laughs> incredible, you know, and you'll have that forever. Yeah, it, it is really exciting. And, you know, I am, um, I went to Miss America again last year. Actually, funny enough, I always tell this story. My fiance's brother dates the current Miss New Jersey. Um, so wow. it must be something in the water with their family. Um, but Augie, <laughs> Augie is the current Miss New Jersey. She's a good friend of mine, also a bridesmaid. Um, and we went to go watch her at Miss America. And being there, um, in some ways, it was really exciting to just be there as someone watching, as a spectator in the audience. But then it felt different, you know, like watching it all on stage and felt weird, you know, not to be up there. Um, it's just, it's exciting to be able to watch it from a different angle and, and to just re- relive it in a sense. And, you know, I'm obviously busy in a million different directions and I try to help with the organization as much as I can, just because that, you know, that fills me up and and that makes me happy. And um, after Miss America, I think just like you said, that was what I had to do, really just remind myself, you know, you just went to Miss America. Um, It's okay not to be okay. And I'm, you know, sure you've touched on topics like this, but, you know, social media being such a big element of our lives, you know, I made a big post after Miss America, you know, I wanted to do right by the job so much. And I wanted to, you know, I never wanted people to think that if I ever expressed, you know, that there were exhausting days or that there were times that it was hard. I didn't want people to think that I was ungrateful, you know, and I was so very absorbed in that, you know, and so I I always wanted to be real, but I wanted you know, to be positive and I wanted to keep people happy. And, you know, it was after Miss America. I remember I'd posted some some very real photos and and just recounted, you know, what it feels like. You know, it it hurts. You know, it it hurts sure. not obviously become Miss America. You know, it's it's hard. There are some days, you know, it's hard to put the makeup on and to go and, you know, but that's just being human and that doesn't take away, you know, the gratitude that you feel for it all. So to me, I look back on the year and and to me again, Miss America, such a such a huge high point in our year, but not the entirety of it. And so I just look back with with a lot of pride and just happiness for how the year went. Yeah. What were some of your most rewarding moments, maybe especially with your philanthropic work um, that you had throughout your year as Miss New Jersey? Yeah. So one of the most exciting things for me was I got to lobby for my social impact initiative, uh, Peer Challenge Commit to Character on the New Jersey House floor. So that was huge for me. Um, Amazing. 
yeah, back when we were teens, it, it was called a platform. Now it's called a social impact initiative. And that's sort of what you promote. So mine um, was about risk-taking behaviors for teens and, and kids in schools throughout our state. And so, you know, character education curriculum isn't mandated in New Jersey schools at a time that many feel that they could really use character education curriculum and social media seminars and self-esteem, you know, whatever it may be. Um, and getting to go there and get to lobby for that and speak with legislators, that was such a big deal for me. And I remember getting to do that before um, Miss America and I just felt like this is what it's about. It was it was so exciting for me. Um, and again, just redefining that idea that Miss America has sort of rebranded. It's always been there, but they've brought to the forefront in recent years that Miss America is a businesswoman. You know, she's a doctor, she's a lawyer, she's an entrepreneur. And I I love that. And I think that's where um, you know, my passion was ignited even more for the program because the idea that it's Alyssa Sullivan, Miss New Jersey, not, you know, Miss New Jersey isn't your identity. So that right. was a, a really great thing to be able to highlight that throughout my year and, and to really just feel like I, I made a mark. There were so many wonderful parades, obviously appearances and things that I did. I got to work a lot um, with different kids in schools, whether it was, you know, the special needs community. There was just so much that I got to do in the year that was that was major. I, I was able to um, relaunch the golf outing for the Miss New Jersey organization. We raised um, over $16,000 in scholarship for women. So it was it was huge. And, and that's um, what it was, you know, about for me to leave just a little bit um, of something for for the next group. Absolutely. Yes. And and those lessons that you take with you, that, you know, you were able to really put your all into this year and do as many things as you possibly could, and then really just succeed in that and also be like, okay, now here's the rest of my life. Yeah. Now look at all I've learned and all I could do um, as I move forward. So that's, yeah. that's really beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. And I loved following along on social media that year, watching all your events and stuff. And then the one video that I remember so clearly, it was, um, I think it was as it was time to crown the next Miss New Jersey and you were in your dressing room and you were taking mm -hmm. off your crown for the last time with your parents in there and you were just tearing up. And I'm like, oh my God, like it hit me so badly because I was I like, know. this girl has worked so hard for this and she did it and she accomplished it. And now it's time to move on. And I'm yeah. like, oh, it's so touching. So beautiful. It, it was like, and it's funny that you say, as you say it, it like it, it brings back memories and it brings tears to my eyes because that was one of the things, um, you know, in the end, me really highlighting too, you know, as the days dwindled down and it got closer to passing it on, you know, I think people think that, from a bird's eye view, you may think, oh, she's probably eager to just, you know, like get on with her life. And, and as, in a sense, it was exciting to launch the next chapter. But again, like that was such a part of my identity in the yes. best way. Mm -hmm. um, and especially for the last year. And I just didn't know how to rationalize that. And as it got down to it, I remember, you know, posting and just trying to be raw and real and emotional about the fact that, um, you know, it's hard. And again, not meaning that you weren't grateful, but just that it's difficult to have to pass that on and, and to not get to, to do this job anymore when it's, you know, so much of what you've poured your passions into. So that was difficult. And standing there with my parents and my family, it was, it was just, it was a, a great moment. And I cried a lot of tears, tried to keep it together. I didn't do uh, the best job of that. And, and I remember the week after, um, you know, when they, when you crown the next girl and I remember being, you know, so excited, so happy and the pictures are done and, and then they whisk her off. Um, 
it's it's a difficult moment because mm -hmm. and not in a in a selfish aspect of you know the eyes aren't on me but just like wow everything just changed in a couple of seconds and suddenly it's it's a new journey and i spent um that next week i remember there were a lot of tears, there were a lot of difficult times just accepting it. Um, and I remember, you know, calling my mom and Kay from, you know, my middle school musical director who um, was a part of Miss New Jersey. And they were like, you're gonna be okay, you're gonna be okay. Um, and I ended up getting engaged that weekend. So I think that's why they kept oh, telling me yeah. I was gonna be okay because <laughs> they wanted me to know that was coming. Um, even even still, you know, despite that, I was, um, I was grieving it essentially. Yes. I was grieving what felt like a death of this amazing chapter, but it it's breathed new life and and again I'm I'm just as much a part of it and and love it, you know, all the more. Absolutely. And that's life, you know, you have these amazing chapters whether they're careers, whether they're relationships, like anything. You know, I think it's so healthy and so necessary to really appreciate that time of whatever it is for what it is and then you know, grieve it and then move yeah. on to the next thing. And that's healthy. And you don't have to say like, it. you don't have to be completely happy to say like, all right, I did this. Yes. Yeah. Like flip the hair. I'm done. <laughs> You're like, no, this is a part of you and you yeah. worked so hard. And now it's hard to say goodbye to anything that you care and love, yeah. you know? So, but anyway, to yeah. move on, congratulations on that huge chapter Thank in your you. life. Like that's amazing. And you'll Thank forever you. have those accomplishments. Yeah. Thank you. Of course. And now- you are reporting, right, for PHL 17. Yes, yes PHL okay. 17. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Are you a morning reporter there? So I was for a bit. Now I am day side as well. I'm a multimedia journalist as well. So I'm out shooting packages, but I am there in the mornings too. So I'm back and forth. I go back and forth. But those um, 3 a.m. starts can be difficult on the days that I'm there in the morning, I will say. Yeah. When I have a couple of friends who are morning reporters too, and just hearing their schedules, I'm like, I really don't know how you do it. Like it's, it's insane to me, but you know, it's a necessary job and they're, yes. they're grateful to do it. So yeah. how do you handle it on those days when you're like, all right, time to wake up at like 1am and like get the day going? Yeah. You know, it's weird because it's only recently that I started to move to today side. Um, so I'm used to, you know, being there at 3am being done at 11am. And again, I'm like, I always need to be doing something. So you would think like I would come back and I would nap, but I don't. I'm like, oh, like, let me clean the house or like, let me do a million things. So I enjoy it at times because then I have the rest of my day is the way I look at it. But um, it's definitely nice to get to wake up um, a little bit later. But it's again, it's it's so exciting and rewarding when you're doing something that you love to do. And when I got hired at PHL 17 right after graduating from Rowan, I was I was just so excited at the opportunity. And I'm just grateful for how I've been able to grow there, you know, from a production coordinator, you know, to filling in and reporting and, you know, now MMJ. So it's been really wonderful and, and I love it. It's a great station. And it feels like home and it's nice to be able to be in the area you know of where my family is but um the schedule can be difficult at times you know holidays you're working um but again just as with musical theater or any career you know i seem to like to pick careers um that are very like cutthroat and difficult yeah. um, i i must have like a thing for them um but when it's what you love you know that's what you do and and so i really i really do love it and no regrets there yeah, that's amazing. And I didn't even know that you started out as a production coordinator. So yeah. that's really great to see, you know, how much growth you've had there yeah. at the station. And even before that, you've had several internships and, you know, you've really worked your way up in, like you said, a cutthroat industry. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think it really takes to succeed in specifically the news industry? 
but really if we were going on a grander scale, like anything that is personal and something that is cutthroat. To succeed in, in any career, but you know, specifically news, obviously you need to have thick skin and you need to be willing to just work and work and work. You need to be willing to do the jobs that you may not come in there thinking that you want to do to grow and to become more versatile. I mean, again, I think one of the biggest mistakes that people make with TV and, and I see interns, you know, come and go and think the same, like they're just like, oh, yep, I'm ready. I want to be on TV. And that's not what it is. And, you know, I'm grateful for my time at Rowan and my program there that really taught me the realities of that. And, you know, you're a journalist and you are making an impact and, you know, sticking to those news values and, and remembering why you're doing it and having those ethics behind you. You know, people sometimes have the wrong idea about it and they come and they learn, maybe that's not what I want to do. So it takes work. It takes commitment. And you need to be willing to say, you know what? OK, you you know, you need me to produce today. I can do that. Not just stick yourself into one box because if i had done that i never would have got the job at phl 17 so i just think you need to be willing to be persistent and be patient um so, you know so i've been at phl 17 for a few years now and um in the market that i'm in you know a lot of times you have to move away you know to get a job um, and i was really adamant that i wanted to stay close to home so taking a chance on that opportunity and my chance that I've had to advance there and to grow, I'm just really grateful for. And yes. I think if I had just said, oh, I just wanna be a reporter, I, I don't know that I'd be where I am. So I've learned a lot along the way. And I think when you can learn all the roles of the newsroom, then you are better at your job as a reporter or whatever you may do. Absolutely. I've learned that in my job too, you know, and I'll admit, like I went in to the the lottery job and I'm like, you know what, like, I'm just going to be on TV. I don't need to do anything else. Like, this is just what I'm going to do. But I've realized as more opportunities were handed to me, thankfully, that whether it's behind the scenes or marketing things or managing roles, I'm like, okay, now I have a grander sense of what's going on. I know how to handle myself. I know everything that's going on in this room. And it just makes you more intelligent about the world around you and also more confident in what you can do in a position, not only in your office, but in any office, you know, the skills you learn in one place can take you anywhere. So why not gain all the skills you can, even if it's not something that you've set out to do? Yeah. And I think absolutely. And it, and it really brings me back to the, to the internships as well, because I feel like like we talked about with musical theater, you know, there's a difference between a want to do something and then finding out not even necessarily if you're good at it, but is it a reality? Like, is it something that you really see yourself doing every single day? Again, as you said, with the hours, you've really got to love news to be there at three o'clock in the morning to work on Christmases and Thanksgiving and Easter and, you know, whatever it may be. So you've really got to love what you're doing. And I think those internships really teach you that. Um, and when you go for jobs, you know, internships are, that's an experience, you know, and, and Rowan really pushed me to do that a lot. And, and I'm glad that they did because that helped me like come in with um, some backing, you know, before I got a job. And I just really would encourage, you know, pursuing any career, get yourself in the middle of the action, go intern somewhere where it's already happening and then, you know, take it from there. And, and not only do you bring some things on your resume to the table, but you've actually learned about it and you're not just coming in bright eyed, like, you know, put me on TV and that's all I want to do. Because, you know, in my experience, you're not going to be successful that way. Just sticking yourself and I don't even mean just saying that you want to go the TV route, but just that you're only willing to do that. And, you know, it's mm -hmm. there's no room for divas in news. You know what I mean? You have to be a part of the team and, and it's a team effort. 
Right. And it opens you up to more opportunities too. Like you're an MMJ. That means you're doing everything. You're producing, you're editing, you're shooting, you're hosting. Um, And from what I've seen, like that's the majority of reporter roles out there nowadays. Is that correct? Yeah, I think it var- it varies at different stations. It's definitely very difficult. It's not for the weary. Um, you're shooting, editing, and writing your own stuff. So that's hard. Every day is different and you've got to go and you've got to shoot it in amount of time. You've got to come back. You've got to write it. You've got to track it. You've got to put the video in and, and turn it for the next day. So it's, it teaches you a lot. You know, it's, it's, it's different than what I was doing, but in a, in a sense, I'm glad that I am because it's giving me a whole set of new tools that I didn't have. And I think, you know, depending on the station, every station doesn't have cameramen. You know, our station does for what I'm doing day side. I do not. It's just me. But you have to be prepared. You know, being an MMJ is going to make you more suitable and more versatile, better for a job at any station you're going to because you've done that, you know, and you exactly. don't just lean on, on a photographer. So I think a lot of people are. And I think in today's world with social media, you kind of you sort of have to be an MMJ in a sense, too. And, you know, video and doing all that gives you more capability. Yeah. So why not? open yourself to every opportunity, every opportunity and every educational opportunity possible. So, um, yeah, you're doing amazing things. Um, now I want to talk about, you know, reporting on the stories themselves. Like you're going every day into different situations. Some are probably better than others or happier, or even, you know, more dangerous. You never really know what you're walking into. Um, how do you handle the stress of not knowing exactly what your day is going to be. And then also, you know, it's easy, I would assume, to be emotional in certain situations for a lack of a better term. Like you're going to feel attached to some people, to some situations as you enter them. Um, How do you handle being able to stay a little separated in order to maintain your own sanity, really? Yeah, well, I think the first thing that comes to mind is the reporter that we lost recently. Um, Yes who was um, shot and killed in the field um, while reporting at a scene after it had already happened and you know police had started to clear it. And he was from Philadelphia, I believe, or he was from the PA area. Um, and I think having done this in the past few years, there's been times on news that I've thought about it being dangerous, but it wasn't until that happening that it really like shakes you back into perspective of how dangerous this can be not just on the, you know the physical level but the narrative that is out there about the media as they call it, the media um is a dangerous one as well you know the words are just as dangerous and i think that that fake news culture that has been created is really hard and you know you have these really hard-working journalists who really are pounding the pavement trying to work hard every day you know making sure that they have sources making sure that they're using their ethics their news values whatever it may be and then people you know just say it's fake news if they don't like it and that is so frustrating you know, that's one of the things you you learn in college about what fake news really is. And you're not going to change everybody's minds, but it's just it's very difficult um, when people have that outlook. So it is definitely it can be a dangerous job at at times. And I'm grateful, you know, to have a photographer at the times that I do. And, and that gives you, you know, a sense of comfort. But definitely, I, I think one of my uh, former Miss New Jersey sisters, um, who's also a reporter in Philadelphia, Brenna had said, you know, I'd be lying if I didn't say that I look over my shoulder sometimes. And I do too. I mean, I, I try to constantly look around me and see what's near me because it's scary. And, you know, our stations are good about trying to not put us in a situation where it's unsafe, but, you know, sometimes somebody has to be out there reporting on it, um, for the people to get that story. So I think, um, 
in terms of keeping myself sane, it, it is hard. You know, I think remember thinking about that when I started, like, how do you hold back, you know, your emotions, um, not just your opinions, but, you know, terrible things happening and just being desensitized to it. And, right. and I think that people also have to understand, you know, as reporters, just because we have to pull ourselves away from it, like emotionally in that moment, that doesn't mean that we don't feel it. Um, but that's just a part of the job. And, and I think it is, it's hard to keep yourself sane, but it's never far from your mind. And it's a part of what you have to do. And, and again, I keep saying, but musical theater was a part of that for me, because learning to play the part in a sense, you know, it's not the best phrase for it, but just that you have a job and that this is what you have to do. And, you know, it's something that I never forget. And it's just one of the most difficult parts of the job, I would say, just the fear and and the unknown at times. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But it's an important job and we need it. And the narrative that's out there 100% frustrates me too. And I think people don't always realize, you know, these are most of the time, just young, young people, young reporters who, yes, they do their job and then they go home to their normal lives and their normal apartments. And, you know, they're trying to make ends meet sometimes, but they're doing it because they care about the news getting out there. They care about their communities. And it's, it's so important. And, you know, these people need to be recognized for what they do. And yeah, yeah, you're doing, you're doing amazing work, truly. Thank you. Of course. Yeah. On the other hand, are there any really fun stories, fun times that stick out in your mind? Yeah, I mean, one of the one of my uh, favorite stories that I did recently was actually about a, a special needs inclusive diner that employs people who have special needs. And it was just an amazing thing to do because my mom was a special needs teacher at one point and we had started a precious gem pageant at one point now mentoring program where special needs girls could come and compete in something like a pageant and we would mentor them and they would get crowns and they do their talent they do the whole experience oh, how beautiful yeah so it was something near and dear to my heart and one of my mentee her name is caitlin and i grew up with her since we were little babies we went to school together graduated together and you know when i did the piece i just thought of her because she has such big dreams and there are not a lot of places that employ you know, young adults that have special needs. And for her, she feels so stifled, you know, and angered by that because she wants every opportunity that someone who doesn't have special needs has. So, you know, getting to do stories like that, you know, even if you're not emotionally involved or have a connection, it's so rewarding. And that's the impact that it's about. You know what I mean? It's it's so just beautiful to be able to shoot something like that. And it was a really humbling experience and and i think then there's you know there's humbling experiences on another level you know getting to report on controversial things i think you know you really have to get comfortable with poking and prodding at things again um you know it's hard to to do that when you're a people pleaser but you know you've got to you got to ask the right questions you got to ask the tough questions and you know it's all about the story and getting to the truth and that's something that i always really try to remind myself you know it's about the truth and getting to the truth and and just trying to do it in the right way and and leaving a good mark on on the people that you interact with. Yeah. It's kind of fun too. You know, you get to always walk into something different. Do you Mm -hmm. usually choose the topics or the stories that you get to work with or are they chosen for you most of the time? So now that I am MMJing, I get to choose a lot of them. Um, Obviously on news, it could be the news of the day. Um, You know, when I filled in on features, I would get to pick them at times and, and the features were fun, but it's um, definitely love doing news. I would say news is probably one of my favorite areas, uh, just general assignment reporting, but the MMJing is a lot of fun because you get to really pick and kind of craft it and decide what you're going to cover. 
today I actually we aired a piece about um, like a controversial new hotel um, in Ocean City, um, if that's going to be built or not. You get to travel and you get to go different places and no day is the same as you said, and it's great to just see a, a project through start to finish. So what are your goals currently for yourself and, um, and journalism? Like what would you want to do next? So I think reporting is what I want to stick to doing. Um, obviously, down the line, maybe anchoring someday. But I think reporting is where my heart really lies. I really love that. I love journalism. And I love getting to be out in the field and finding those stories. And, um, you know, I grew up watching the news and realized, you know, I came across these videos um, before Miss America that I didn't even know existed of me sitting in my bedroom, like counting one, two, three action. Um, like clearly it was um, always like deeply rooted in me, something that I wanted to do. And um, I think even though I'm only one person, I think it's big for me to try to correct the narrative that people have about journalism. That's a really big part of it to me. So getting to stay near a city that I love, near my family and, you know, tell the stories again in, in a city that I just, adore and and to continue to do that is really really my goal yeah well i know you'll continue to do it i'm so excited yeah. to see what you do and you have so much going on right now you also mentioned you're engaged planning yeah. a wedding that's so yeah. exciting yeah i'm excited yeah is it coming up soon ish yes uh july 20th yes oh my yes. goodness mm -hmm. yeah. i told myself that obviously i'm, I'm very like crazy type A. So I planned a lot out, but then I was like, all right, when the new year comes, then I'll start to like really go crazy because it's soon. And now we're beyond the new year. So now I'm going into, into crazy mode, but it's, it's exciting and we're really, really excited. So it's going to be a great day. Oh my God. It'll be beautiful. Enjoy it all. Try to yeah. breathe when you can. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just have two more questions yeah. for you, if that's okay. All right. First of all, I think with everything you've done, I think there's this common theme that you have found your voice and found your power through some adversity, but then finding your way through and succeeding. If you could go back to those times, you know, when you were competing for Miss New Jersey and then not getting the role or, you know, fighting for jobs or when you were in musical theater and deciding, you know what, like, maybe I want to do something else. Whenever you're figuring out your way, what would you tell that, that girl now? I think I would tell her that it's okay not to have a plan. I think the idea of the plan, the perfect plan was what just would drive me up a wall. And I would just, I would give anything to go back and, and to tell myself that, that it's okay to take a breath. You know, it's okay to relax. It's okay to not be a mile a minute all the time. Everything is gonna go the way that it's supposed to go and worrying and agonizing isn't gonna change it. You know, and, and like I said, I wish I could go back and tell myself that, but in some ways, learning it the way that I did just all happened in, in a beautiful way. Um, you know, we're all going to experience adversity at different times in our life, but when that happened for me, I really feel was when I needed it most. And it was just huge for me. And, you know, I can't stress enough you know, college being such a formative time in your life, you know, for, for a student. And to me, that's really important for people to understand. You know, I hear parents talk about where their kid's gonna go to college. Are they gonna be close? Are they gonna be far? Are they gonna be here? Are they gonna be there? And it's like, that choice is just so important. And you really just have to give it a lot of consideration and, and really just think about how that affects the trajectory of your life. So I think it's okay to lean into those decisions. You know, you will make mistakes, but that's, that's a part of it all. So that adversity really makes you, you know, rather than running away from it and being shy, I 
I think, like I said, leaving Ryder and that happening was, it felt embarrassing. It felt earth shattering. It just felt so hard for me. And I look back at it and say, you know what? Everybody has gone on their own path and everybody experiences things at different times. And and that's nothing to be ashamed of. It's just a a little milestone or stop along the way of where you're going to be. And, and, and I think that was what really happened. Yes, absolutely. And I think there's such power in having a good story and being able to share it. And that is exactly what you're doing really. And you help so many people by sharing what you've been through and what you've accomplished and what you've learned along the way. So thank you for doing that with us today. Thank you. Of course. There's one question that I ask everybody on this show. um, And it's what is it that you value at the end of each day? I would say what I value at the end of each day is probably my family. I think my family for sure, you know, my, my fiance, my, my puppy, Stella, she's not a puppy anymore. My family, I think as, you know, as hokey as it sounds, family is everything to me. You know, of course I value my career. I value my accomplishments, whatever that may be, but it's, it's the people in my life, my family and my friends, because in all that I've gone through the adversity, the highs, the lows, they've always been there for me. And I think that's just, such a huge part of who I am. And it's, it's a beautiful time, you know, now in my life to be able to spend even more time with them, um, even though I am busy, not um, busy in the same way that I was. And it's, it's just beautiful to be able to look back on the journey of everything and, and know that I always had those people with me and that they'll always be there. Yes. Yeah. It's who's with you along the way. That's what matters. Um, So that's beautiful. And Alyssa, I can't thank you enough. It's been so wonderful to watch your journey and then also to catch up with you today and hear a little bit more about it. So I can't wait to see what you continue to do. Truly. You you too. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, If people want to connect with you, where can they find you? So they can find me on Instagram at, uh, oh, you know what? <laughs> Make sure that I know my handle. Yes, yeah, so it's Alyssa Sullivan underscore TV. I recently changed it for my TV Instagram. Alyssa Beautiful. Sullivan underscore TV. Um, last name will be potentially changing soon, but you'll still Yay. see. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the ever changing Instagram handle. Yes. You can find her somewhere though. We'll got yes. <laughs> well, well, thank perfect. you. Perfect. Thank you so much. Um, I appreciate this. Okay. All right. Thank All you right. so much. Of course. Bye, girl. Have a good one. Bye. You too. Thanks.